again to the Collapsing Pocket Podcast brought to you by Royal Flush Designs. My name is Rob Ward, your old mate Wardy, and I am joined this week only by the Lancashire Bomber, Mr. Simon Carroll, in what promises to be, Si, the most sort of peaceful, tranquil, uninterrupted conversation me and you have ever had on this podcast, because... Mr. Sam Aykroyd is recovering from his booster jab. Yeah, he's struggling, isn't he? Uh, he's not known for his podcast etiquette, is he, Sam? No. So no. Uh, I think I think we should do a lot better without him. Although that being said, last week when you weren't here, Rob, we did we were leathered, and it's a bad, bad podcast. But we did do it in an hour and seven minutes. So if we can break if we can break that record this week, uh, I'll be very pleased. I I think we probably can. I, I suspect that that what fleshes it out from an hour and seven to an hour and, and 40 is, is, is the sort of the procrastinations of, of Sam Aykroyd, uh, coupled by me and him sort of trampling over each other's lines. So actually now that we've eliminated, you know, when you eliminate one of the two of me and him, mm. you probably get with the podcast, but, uh, but Sai, I am, I am coming to you live from, from the attic. I'm like, I'm like Anne Frank. I'm, I'm hiding up in the attic. I was going to say Rapunzel, uh, but fair enough. <laughs> Rapunzel up in her tower, Anne Frank in the attic, the, the mad woman in Jane Eyre. If anyone is going to get that literary reference, I suspect you probably won't, but you never know. There might be someone out there that does. But uh, yes, I'm in the loft because I've got the Rona, haven't I? Got the COVID. I know, yeah. Tested positive earlier this week on the old... Uh, OMG Omicron, wherever it's called, but that's me. Now, luckily, my mate Simon Carroll helped me out, bless him. Straight away, I got a twelve pack of Wonder Beyond beers to 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 see me through these 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 lonely isolated evenings. And I've had a good go at a couple of them so far. Side, I've just been running a well, not running, but taking part in a quiz um, in which we divided up rounds, and I did one round on Christmas music. And I just randomly grabbed a beer out of the fridge and started having a go at it. And it happened to be, mate, the Quizmaster Imperial Milk Stout. Oh, Talk lovely. about that. Talk was, about that. This is a beer in ode to uh, one of the greatest Quizmasters in the history of Manchester, isn't it? A good old Big Frank. He uh, retired yeah. from Wonder Beyond Broom, where he was uh, HR manager. Uh, but he's well known for his quizzes. He's run a I think, quiz for almost two decades now, hasn't he, uh, in, in Chorlton. Uh, he did at the, the bar in Schultzen. It's a proper nerd quiz as well. It's like serious hardcore quiz. Compared, it, you know, like university challenge style level of questioning, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it was. It was a funny sight. I, I had to cover it a couple of times. And, you know, fa- you know, maybe some listeners will be aware that, that, you know, I've had a few quizzes. Me and Sam Aykroyd. In fact, not me and you, Sam. We first met at the Oxford in Manchester. Now that Soren's out, I ran the quiz. 
me and Sam Acroyd, we first met down the down the Oxford, <laughs> where he used to take part in the quiz and annoy the tits off me by coming up with his uh, technically that question. That, now, if you thought he was bad, mate, you'd get it every single fucking question with some of them down at that place. But what I will say, I'll never forget Frank going in there once. and Because, I, I mean, I love Frank to bits, but he's quite a serious guy at times. Mm. Quite, quite a serious sort of... Uh, uh, character and uh, and you'd go in you'd go into the the quiz and uh, it'd be deadly silent and I, th- I remember there was there one night and a couple of people came in and they were you know chatting away to the bar staff having a pint but because there was no noise in the quiz you know when the, when Frank was talking and I just remember in the microphone saying I'm afraid if you're going to make noise you're going to have to leave. <laughs> and literally these these three lads would come out for a little pint you know after work or whatever or you know on a quiet Monday evening they uh, they turned around they saw the entire pub glaring at them and, and they went on their way <laughs> well this more interestingly to our listeners probably this beer is a 13.5% imperial vanilla stout so Wally's well in his way Hence the, the bigger uh, soliloquies that he's coming out with here. Um, yeah. But yeah, Frank, top yeah. top bloke. He's got his head on some kind of mythical creature because he's into some kind of like uh, fantasy bullshit. I don't really know what it is. It's, it's like it's, it's some, some kind of Pegasus thing, yeah. but not quite. Yeah, Griffin, I think. Yeah, it's a Griffin, mate. Yeah. yeah, well, you know better, but that one is better than I will. But uh, well done for starting it's off got... big, mate, because I think that's the biggest beer in the box. Well, I, as I say, I was just, I was, you know, we were doing this Zoom quiz and, and, I, and I ran in and I grabbed the first beer I could find. I've had a little beer fridge brought up to the loft for me, mate. <laughs> so I really, your they've got a lock on the outside door as well. Do you have like a, a bedpan too? I am not getting out of here. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I'm like, it's like a granny and it's, do you know what I mean? It's like that. Well, I'm so delighted but, that we shared a kebab uh, together on Monday. And I think, I do believe we all tried one of your beers as well. So that was uh... a... <laughs> So so far, the LFTs have proved fine for, for me and my wife, but uh, we uh, we live on yeah. tender hooks. You do, you do. Um, but hey, there we go. Here we are. So Sam's not here because he's had his booster. I am here because I've got the COVID. I'll let you work out which of us is more hardcore. Uh, but what have we got lined up today, Simon Carroll? I think me and you just can have a good old chat, aren't we, mate? Really, let's be honest. We're just yeah. going to work our way through. Sam set the agenda. He's not here. Um, so we can, we can choose to ignore it or not. Don't, don't matter, does it? We'll yeah, do. We can do, do as we please, mate. Um, I did have, I tell you what, I did have a. I don't know, do you know what? I'm going to save it to the end. I'll save mm, it to the end. It's not a fucking Probably. quiz question, is it? Fuck's sake. Well, it, it's. I'll save it to the end. I, 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 won't <laughs> do it now. I won't do it now. Right, where are we? We are. We, we are recording this on Thursday. Um, we've week 14 in the books. We've got four weeks to go. It's insane, isn't All it? All the all the bye weeks are out the way. Yeah, it's final countdown, mate. Do you want Do you want some interesting nugs to to throw your way to start off with? Always. With four Always. years ago, for the, only the third time since 1990, the NFL enters Week 15 without a team having clinched a playoff berth. No team is is, is confirmed. Yet. Seriously, only the third wow. time that's happened in the last 30 years. Wow. Um, even better than that, with four weeks still to play, 28 out of the 32 teams can still make the playoffs, wow. which which is pretty impressive. And the most ever entering week 15 of teams that have six plus wins in the season. And that's 24 out of the 32 teams have at least six wins. So a phenomenal, really unusual season we've had so far. Uh, interesting season because there's 
consistency's gone right out the window. We've had, uh, I suppose we have got a bit of it because we've got some teams we've got some real good form early and then slumps away on the opposite for other teams, such as the Patriots and things like that. But uh, it's, I think it's been one of the more intriguing seasons we've ever come across, uh, certainly in our five years of doing this podcast. Yeah, I, I would say so. That, that There's no standout team. We talked last week about, you know, we think there's three teams that we, we really like in the NFC. There's there's the, there's the Packers, there's uh, the Cardinals, there's the Bucks, And even this past week, the Bucks were, were dragged into overtime. The Cardinals lost at home to, to, to the Rams. There's some teams who are in the playoff picture right now that are kind of catching form that we quite like the look of. Um, and then there's some teams who we have like look of. And, 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 and then the Bengals, for example, last week, oh, you know, suddenly they've lost a couple in a row and, and, and they're out of the playoff picture. And, and it's just crazy, mate, every single week. But I suppose it, go, it goes back to the reason that those of us that enjoy this sport, the, one of the things that we enjoy about it is the egalitarianism of the entire league. You know, it, it, it's kind of dictated via the, the, the draft sort of um, set up. It's dictated by the salary cap. It, it really is, you know, for, for a country that sort of, put capitalism on the market it, it does have the the most egalitarian of, of, of sporting setups with, with, with the way it, you know the, the nfl is structured you know and when you look at our you know we're, we're getting excited aren't we this year in the uk the, the premier league because we've got all oh, there's three teams in the title race do you know what i mean and the mm-hmm. nfl are just laughing going yeah but every single year we give fan bases out there even in the most wretched situations there's always that chance, and, and this league is just proving it more than ever. I mean, it's incredible. I mean, you had you had this past weekend. You had the the Panthers and the car and the the Panthers and the Falcons going at it. You know, two teams who, let's be honest, we don't think much of, but who have both had going into this weekend's game a, a, a shot at making the wild cards. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's like this season particularly because like every year we can have. You know, we'll have these feelings like last season. We all fancied, seriously fancied, the Kansas City Chiefs to get to the Super Bowl, didn't we? Uh, was it three years ago? The same scenario. Kansas City in the, in the AFC, 49ers in the NFC. Certainly once the season got going, we all thought, yeah, those two are destined for it. And they did get there. But that's not always the case. And it's not always the case you know that before the season starts. I mean, we've seen plenty of times in the past where the Giants have scuppered the Patriots out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, so it very much can happen. Um, this season, there's not, there's not. I don't really. You can't put your finger on who's going to be in the Super Bowl. I know Sam no. tries every week. Sam tries, yeah. doesn't he? Even this week, what, what, what's a couple of his uh, headlines? They're almost like, identical because he's, he's scrambling. So he's got, he got what price on an LA derby in Inglewood in February? Because this week the Chargers and the Rams won and looked pretty good doing so. Uh, what price it, on a Super Bowl Fifty rerun? Because of course the Buccaneers and the and the uh, Chiefs are, are rising. Um, Last week it was completely different. He thought the Cincinnati Bengals were getting to the Super Bowl a few weeks ago. You know, the Titans, they were there. You know, we've basically had asked this question with two different names uh, since about week four or five. Uh, that's why yeah. that's why the season is so so good. It really is. It really is, mate. So, I tell you what, let, let's go back to our predictions, r- r- you know, way back in, 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 the, in, in August. And we talked about who we thought was going to be contesting the Super Bowl this year. And you know what? The three of us are still in the running. Hmm. So I had a repeat of last year, Chiefs versus Bucks. Looking good. That's very still on the cards. I think, Cy, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you went Packers-Patriots. That's exactly right, yeah. 
and I laughed you out of town at the time, uh, more so because of the Patriots. Yeah, of course. But there they are. Packers, the one seed in the NFC. Patriots, the one seed in the AFC. <laughs> he knows his stuff about Simon Carroll. And Sam, I think, had Patriots Rams. I think he had. He did. And, you know, we thought the Rams were dead and buried. And then on Monday night, uh, and, and, and maybe we can lead into talking about the, the LA teams then. Monday night, we thought the Rams were dead and buried. They, they you know, they, they've been flat track bullies this season. They beat the Bucks in Week Three, but since then, their wins have come against the Lions, the Texans, the Jags. Whenever they play a good team, often at home, they they, they get beat. Famous Monday Night game a few weeks back, where my Niners just just ripped them a new one. So we weren't expecting. I personally wasn't expecting the Rams to to go into Arizona and and, and put up uh, the performance that they did. Um, it felt to me, Si, like in a game that was, you know, both offences were looking, but we know both are pretty decent offences, uh, to say the least. It, it actually turned out to be the Rams' defence, which has been has been criticised at times, I think, this year for, for not stepping up, considering the, the star power that's on there, the Donalds, the Ramseys, they traded, of course, um, for um, your man, Von Miller from, from the Broncos. But it felt like in crucial moments in this game, I'm thinking about the third quarter where the Rams had just gone ahead, the long step, a touchdown throw to Van Jefferson, and then they get the turnover off uh, the interception on, on, on Murray. There was just a couple of big defensive plays in this game that, that did it for the Rams. And actually, if that defence is going to show its teeth from now through to the end of the season and likely into the playoffs, then... What we were saying earlier this year is, is is going to be true that the Rams are going to be contenders. Oh yeah, I mean it's very difficult to maintain a level that they set at last year on defense when they were the number one unit in the NFL, wasn't it? So there's always going to be some kind of drop off, regardless of talent. I know they added Von Miller mid-season additions don't always pan out the way you want them, but uh, yeah, I mean the Rams. This is a big win for the Rams because. Like you say, aside from it's been a long time since they've had a big win this season. The book it was. Did you say week three for the, they beat the books? I think yeah, I think it was week week three. They 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 beat the books. Yeah, that's a, that's, yeah. A, that's a hell of a time there to be because they've got some big teams in that in that division in that conference. So they've not you know they've had some opportunities to really stake a claim and they and they failed to do so. Uh, no more so than this reverse fixture, like you said in LA where they got absolutely pummeled by the Cardinals. That was the first time that we all sat <laughs> and gone, hang on, these Cardinals are legit. Yeah. Um, yeah. We thought it was just a little blip for the Rams, but they haven't really maintained it since. And obviously, they've had their injury problems and things like that. So, you know, the offense might have struggled, but they're back on track now. And uh, what I noticed about this game, and it was quite competitive all the way through, let's be honest, uh, but the Rams weren't playing from behind, really. You know, they weren't miles behind, were they? And I think that's when they get in trouble. They got caught behind against the Cardinals, couldn't catch up. They got caught behind against the 49ers, they couldn't catch up. It's kind of a similar deal what we talked about with the 49ers as well. And maybe... The Cardinals, too, in that regard. Maybe this whole division is a team that needs to lead from the front. Maybe they don't quite have... You know, maybe there's something not quite there for them to be able to dig their way back out of things. And We know, for instance, the Cardinals like to dictate how the game is played. And if they can't play to their own score, they find it very difficult. Um, and the 49ers, we even discussed this. It was actually this game yeah. against the Rams when we said this, that they, they are able to put their foot on the throat of teams if they're in control. Uh, I think you can add the Ramstad mix as well. They were, you know, they weren't, they weren't. I think there were some unlucky things against the 49ers. They had a couple of picks, didn't they, the early doors that really turned the game. Um, they didn't have that in this contest. They were able to stick around, and then 
they're able to use you know Sean McVay's magic to really just get ahead in the game and see it out. And uh, great game, lovely little uh, Monday night football contest, which you don't often get. But you know, yeah, it's another it's another indicator of just what how unusual the season is and how teams are really struggling to separate themselves from the pack. You were saying this, Si, about um, you know the Rams have been unlucky in games because you know some interceptions, some bit. And actually, if you go back and look at those games, the Niners' defeat comes to mind. The Titans' defeat comes to mind. The defeat in Green Bay comes to mind. They were in those games. They were competing, and they did seem to turn on some big Matthew Stafford interceptions. I think I'm right in saying that he had three pick sixes in in, in a row. You know, three consecutive Mm -hmm. games. He had pick sixes in a row. And I suppose it's been the sort of... He's a, he's, he was a, he's been a bit of an enigma, hasn't he? You know, Matthew Stafford. We we've always said, and I, I think on this podcast we've said it before. We we really like Matthew Stafford as a quarterback. Um, you know, yes, he's been injury prone throughout his career when he when he was in Detroit, but at the same time, he has also fought through injury. Uh, so he's kind of he has missed time when it's been bad, but he's he's also and it sounds strange to say it, I suppose, but. He has also toughened it out on many an occasion. Um, and he dragged some of those Lions teams to victories that they would not have have achieved. Yet on occasions this season, he has looked like a guy who was maybe comfortable being the big fish in a small pond. And actually, when it became, OK, Matthew Stafford, you're the missing piece of the puzzle. You're going to do what Jared Goff hasn't been able to do. You know, I think Stafford is a better quarterback than Goff, without a shadow of a doubt. But something all season that's been sort of niggling away at me is that what is it that Matthew Stafford is doing in his first season for the Rams that Jared Goff wasn't doing in his first season in the Sean McVay offense? And perhaps that's a little harsh, but I wasn't quite seeing this big performance in these big games. And it felt like we got it on Monday night. And if this is the Matthew Stafford that is, we're going to see going forward, um, then this is the difference maker in, at the quarterback position for the Rams. This is what they traded for in the summer. Yeah. Let's break that down a couple of, uh, in a couple of spots there. So obviously I, w- I think big fish and small ponds, not quite nailed it on the head. But I think it was, is that in Detroit, you kind of come out of that situation smelling like roses because we've saw just how hard he played for that team. Just how much he fought yeah. through. We saw just the fourth quarter comebacks. To some extent, there's a the pressure's off a little bit in Detroit in that regard. You know, they ain't going to win. They ain't going to win Super Bowls. The pressure's on him to win Super Bowls. The sheer fact that he's able to drag that team through contests, bring them back into games and things like that, makes him a hero in Detroit. You know? Yeah. It's a different kind of pressure in LA. He is coming there to be the final piece of that offense. Um, but it's not easy, is it? Let's face it. Like, things have changed a little bit there. There's no running game. Um, obviously, lost Robert Woods. is almost a security blanket in that offense. Um, and also, comparing it to, like, Jared Goff's first season... It was also Sean McVay's first season, wasn't it? You know, first full season. And no one really knew what Sean McVay was bringing. It was something that the league hadn't quite seen, really. It was a unique offense. Teams hadn't quite got used to it. Now they know how to play how Sean McVay plays. So they're, they're prepared for it, regardless of which quarterback is stepping behind it. So it's, the, the missions play a bit harder in that regard for Stafford, despite his you know, talent level being higher than that of Jared Goff's. Um, we've seen... Awkward moments for Stafford this season. I think you're right. There are moments that make you go, whoa, 
what we'll let's just rein it in a little bit with the MVP talk preseason. You know, um, there's no doubt about it. Maybe it's not quite found it as easy as we all thought he would. You know, but at the same time, he does have big moments in the games. You know, it, it was very much a part of this win, a huge part of this win, and you, you still sit here, even though obviously it's not gone quite fully to plan. You know, the Rams are one game off the top of the NFC West. They're very much in a playoff race, and you've I, you've got to ultimately feel a lot more confident with Stafford at quarterback. Um, then Jared Goff, the big question will be the playoffs because, of course, he hasn't had much success. If any. I don't think Detroit Lions won a game, a playoff game, did they, under Jim Colwell? I know they got to the playoffs twice. I think they lost once no, to no. the Cowboys. So he's never won a playoff game. I think then the, then the pressure cranks up another notch, and then we'll really see, you know, if if it is a case of, you know, this heightened, different style of pressure he's getting to, to Stafford or not. But for, for me, it's, it was a sm- very smart move still, despite, you know, obviously spunking more draft capital up the wall and... <laughs> And, and trading as they always do, I, I think it was. You know, you you still got to be happy if you're a Rams fan that you, you've got Stafford leading that that team and not Jared Goff. And, and say, so, um, Odell Beckham Jr., who who was sort of dead and buried in in Cleveland, we've now got three consecutive games with, with a touchdown, feeling like outside of the touchdown catch, you know, a couple of big plays to to get a first down becoming trusted a bit more in this offence. Is it a mirage, do you think? We do see this sometimes, you know, players that have been great and go quiet and they get a new team and maybe they, you know, they, they make a few plays and and actually it's a bit of a false dawn. Or is this Sean McVay saying, guys, there's been this incredible wide receiver just buried in, 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 the, in the sort of middle of nowhere in this Cleveland passing game I'm going to bring him back. I'm going to rejuvenate him, and I'm going to turn him back into a a quality receiver. Well, we know he is. The simple fact that the numbers tell you he is. You know, every season he's played. I think this is one of Sam's favourite stats. You know, every season he's he's been healthy. He's played. He's got a thousand yards. You don't do that if you're not a good receiver. It's that simple. Uh, is he? He's not being blessed with offenses like Mike Evans, who's also in that yeah. similar regard. Those one thousand seasons. Yeah. You know, he's not always had. <laughs> Tom Brady throwing the football to him, or even James Winston, where you know, you know, you're going long, and yeah. Evans can go up and get yeah. it. He's been different. I mean, obviously, he brings his own problems to the table. He has done. He saw his way out of, of, of New York because I don't think they felt like he was a piece he could rely on. Similar deal in Cleveland, but I was thinking that Cleveland just wasn't a great. Fit. I don't think he was ever really happy there, you know. And I think that was a big part of it. I think he's he's going to be happier now, and I think obviously he's starting to bear fruit. It was always going to take two or three weeks, you know. That that's just the way it is. The guy doesn't come in a position, a skill position where you have to learn a playbook and become an instant impact player. It's not. It's not that simple, is it? Uh, but I think he's starting to show it now. I think Stafford's trying to trust him now. I think they have to, don't they, to some extent, because they've lost Woods. So now it's Cup, then it's you know Van Jefferson, and now it's Odell. And as teams take away your bigger receivers, or no one, no one seems to be able to take away Cooper Cup at the moment, considering he's he's possibly the best receiver in the league. And for those, who oh yeah. For those who remember my NFL Draft UK days, I'll be very pleased and to say that I was very high on Cooper Cup coming out of Eastern Washington, playing on the red turf there. But um, yep. that's an FCS school, that, mate. Yeah, I think I watched one game, and he had th- there was 35 balls thrown his way. He caught 34 of them. It was insane. It was the only... P- only you did, you say, did you say red turf? Sorry. It's yeah, 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 they play on red turf, yeah. The Eastern Washington Eagles, I think they are. But, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, yeah, but back to Odell. You know, what can you say? The guy's talented. He's going to be fine. It's just whether they can keep a level head on him. And it would, I mean, would you even be surprised, Rob, if they just gave him another contract for the thing? I'd, you don't waste draft capital on a player you don't, you're not intending to, to uh, extend, do you? No, because he, 
Because as I say, it's not just that he's getting... I, th- I think his first touchdown, you know, it was like a few yards out, they threw him a ball. It, it felt like it was a bit of a gimme, a bit of a moment. Give Odell his, mo- you know, his, his moment in the sun. But actually now, when, you know, Van Jefferson, I think, is a really handy... Um, deep receiver. Yeah. But as you say, with Robert Woods not there, they're missing that complimentary piece to go alongside uh, Cooper Cup. And under McVeigh, they've always had three receivers, haven't they, Si? You know, it, it, whether it was, you know, there was Brandon Cooks was there for a while, Sammy Watkins in, in his first season, you know, and, and Cup and Woods have been the constants. And now that Woods isn't there, there isn't, they're crying out for the second receiver behind Cup, Jefferson going, going deep. And, and I th- just looking at some of those plays on on Monday night, you know they were scheming Odell open into situations, and and and, the, and they're using him, and not exactly the same way they use Robert Woods, but but certainly some of those touches are you know are, are going Odell's way, and I think it's going to be, I think it's quietly becoming one of the you know intriguing stories of of, of this season. You know he he's box office OBJ, and if he can. If he can get it going again in in, in LA, that, that that really is some story. Uh, so we should probably talk before we move on quickly about uh, the Cardinals in this game. Hmm. I don't feel too concerned. I, you know, it, it, they lost the tight game. Kyler threw. Okay, there was, a, there was a bad pick in the red zone, wasn't there, I suppose? But 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 um, I don't feel too concerned about them. I feel like the secondary can be gotten at. I, I, I know that that Murphy's a pretty handy corner, but that the, the the other corner, I think it's is it Alford in in, in Arizona there who who and the, and the deep safety lost Jefferson for that long touchdown. I, I feel like maybe there's 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 a slight weakness there in the end, and that perhaps the Cardinals' defense has has maybe seen better than it is this season. Am I being a bit unfair? I think, and am I getting a bit of trouble with this considering they are still got the best yeah. record in the NFL? I think they're a bit of a fair weather team. The Cardinals, okay. you know, like I like obviously their offense is working now. I don't think anyone could say that it isn't. Uh, they've got an injury issue with uh, Hop D Hop, haven't they? I think he's uh, he, he could be out to like January now. So that'll be intriguing to see how they can overcome that. They've obviously got other pieces there that have been able to come in and perform, but he's he's obviously a different, completely different maker in the NFL, isn't he? Um, but yeah, I think when things are going well for them, they're, they're fine. And obviously, to some extent, they could add live around a lot of stuff because of the way Calamari plays. Uh, can they get themselves out of a hole? This is what we're going to learn about the Cardinals. And when you come to the playoffs and things get a little bit tougher and you know the the margins are slimmer, that's when I think we might start to see some, maybe some, just how, you know, this is the first season where the Cardinals have really elevated themselves as talented. You know, it takes a while to go from that to maybe, what's the word I like to use a lot? You know, solid, durable, you know, uh, trustworthy, robust. You haven't quite got that confidence really with the, well, I don't anyway, with the Cardinals in terms of, maintaining that level when the big teams come to town on a, on a frequent basis. I think, it, I don't want to say that because I've really enjoyed the, this watching the Cardinals this season, a fantastic football team, and uh, they will be playoff bound. I don't think that there's a question in that now. Um, I've just, there's still doubts there, isn't there? There's still doubts about Cliff Kingsbury and whether, you know, he's a bit like me, I'm a football manager, I'm a one-trick pony. As soon as my tactics don't work, I'm fucked. I don't have a second. I don't have a backup set. I, I've, I've hold my first tactic, and that's that. And I live <laughs> and die by it. And, I, and that's what the Cardinals are like a little bit. So the perfect example for me would be if they came up against. I mean, they won't in the playoffs, but in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. You know, Belichick will will figure out a scheme and how to frustrate the Cardinals at the very least. Can the Cardinals adjust? That's the big question, isn't it? I, I like what they've got going with James Connor. I've been really impressed. Yeah, that's cool. Like, the running game's good. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I was not expecting that. I, I thought that he he benefited from a great scheme and a great O-line in, in Pittsburgh that year when he deputised for Lev Bell. Uh, I felt like as the O-line deteriorated last season, so did his play. He's always been, been injury, uh, an injury concern, but fair play to the guy. He, he's, had a, he's had a great season. He's, he's money, you know, inside mm. the five-yard line. Oh, yeah, big-time um, goal back, isn't he? Absolutely, but even starting to get involved in the passing game, um, and I'm interested to see when, when Chase Edmonds comes back in. Does he give them another option as well? Then maybe you know, with with the lack of of of, uh, of Nuke, that they start to to look into that backfield a little bit. Uh, Kyler, of course, being the main threat there. Um, good stuff. We, we we want to talk about the other LA team because the question's been posed: Are we looking at an LA derby? Um, your charges, side, impressive couple of weeks for different reasons, I suppose. You know, the game in Cincinnati where they get up big and then the Bengals are coming back at them. And I think I text you saying, you know, where this is going, side. You know, what happened to these charges? But no, no, no. These charges are made of, of slightly more robust stuff, you know, and, and, and they get that win in Cincinnati. They fight off the, the comeback. And then against the Giants this week, how many times, side have you seen as a Chargers fan in the past where... You, you get a home game against the team you're favoured to beat and you have these inexplicable losses. And this Chargers side wipes the floor with, with inferior opposition in, in the Giants. And Justin Herbert, who I think for me, bizarrely, some people w- w- were having a couple of questions in, in earlier this season when there was a couple of defeats in a row, wasn't there? There's the Patriots game, the Vikings game. Oh, is he... Is he flattering to the seat? Um, and he now is looking what I've always felt he, he has been since he started playing in the NFL, like one of the top three quarterbacks going forward in this league. Once the likes of Rodgers and Brady are, are, are gone and retired, I feel like Justin Herbert is a face of the NFL for years to come. Yeah, you know what? I was thinking this the other day on Sunday. Uh, if you had to choose two quarterbacks who you want to watch... Of this new guard, obviously, you know, you still look really impressive watching Aaron Rodgers do his thing and Tom Brady cut cover up defences and throw balls, you know, over the top of the fucking safeties at the grand old age of 43 or 4, whatever the bloody oh. age is now. But uh, I would be picking, I think I'll be picking, obviously, Justin Herbert and Josh Allen. I think they're the two. You know, and both, yeah. both of them got cannons for an arm, you know, and get outside the pocket, they can move around, they're unflustered in the face of pressure. Watching Josh Allen is something to behold sometimes, the way he can run the football as well. I, I, think, I think Josh Allen edges it for me, but obviously he's got a season on Justin Herbert, hasn't he? So, you know, let's get Herbert up to that level. I, I'm Herbert was phenomenal at that game. That pass to, to uh, Jalen Guyton was a piss take. Um, you know, it's just cheating, isn't it, really, when you can throw it that far, 62 yards um, off your back foot, downfield. I mean, how is the team supposed to cope with that? Especially when you've got big body receivers like the like the Chargers do, or, or receivers who are very good at route running like Keenan Allen, or you know, they've got a real winning combination there. The thing about Chargers, what I'm pleased to see, like you say, is a bit of consistency creeping into the game. But let's just let's just cool our jets just a touch. Not only was okay. it an inferior opposition, but it was an opposition that was, you know, this is Mike Glennon at quarterback. Let's not forget that Mike Glennon. You know. It's, it's hard to compare even like the worst football teams in, in, in the NFL to a team led by Mike Glennon as far as I'm concerned and the Giants have got plenty of dysfunctional reasons why we could put a foot in them I think we talked about that Bengals game 
on WhatsApp, didn't we? And said like, oh, we've seen this coming. And I said, to, I even said to you, I said, I, I would consider this game over if we weren't playing a team who has as much of a an ability to snatch defeat yeah. out of the Jaws victory as the Bengals. Yes. And the yeah. Bengals did that yeah. for us. We won that game because the Bengals gave us that game. They gave yeah. it to them in the yeah. first place. Then they tried to take it back, and then they gave us at the end. It wasn't much to do with the charges, despite us taking opportunities. Um, but we are good. We're a much better football team this season. I think. I think that's the the coaching and the, the kind of like ethos of the, of the of the franchise looks set. Where I don't think we quite. Ha- I loved Anthony Lynn and what he brought to the team. But I don't think he had that about him. You know, there was no real direction. There was no real. Everyone wasn't playing yeah. the same direction. You know, uh, I think the team loved it. Love him. There's something that he said the other day that they. Against the Bengals, Joey Bosa went out with an injury, hit his head, passed the tests, but but uh, Brandon Stale looked at him and said, "No, you're done for the day, mate." And he said, "And whilst we're here, while that coaching staff's here, the first the first priority will always be the health of the players." And yeah. I think you can see they all love him for it. Like Joey Bosa's obviously wanted to play, but he really respected the fact that he's doing something for his health. You know, I think they've got something special in that guy. Uh, and unless it's that real charger's ability to you know just capitulate that does him in, I think he, you know he's got an opportunity to be a successful head coach in, in LA. I, I think he does. Say, I, I think the stuff he said around the uh, uh, we may have talked about this weeks ago. What really impressed me was how he spoke about the the John Gruden stuff. Yeah, do you remember what he said? And it just seemed to me, you know, here's a coach for the twenty twenties. Hmm. And, and here's a guy who, who, who's kind of he gets it. He, he's sort of he's, he's modern. He, he's adapting to the, the the world as it is today. But he's, not, he's not flaky. He's not a flash but in he, the pan. Yes, exactly. There's some you substance know, there, isn't there? There's a bit of substance there to him. You know, he, he's adapting to the modern NFL. You know, remember that game back? I mean, he was doing it again this weekend, going for it on fourth and four, fourth and five, but playing the analytics, not looking at analytics like it's some kind of, you know, alien that's come down to invade Earth and this is how football was in the 1980s. I'm going to stick to this. He seems like, a, you know, an impressive guy. I'm with you. And I just, you know, you look at LA and both those head coaches, impressive young coaches, you know, in touch with modern technology, modern analytics, knows how to talk to his players understands young men in yeah. their early you can see, to mid-20s. You can see why uh, Sean McVay hired him to be his defensive coordinator, can't you? You can really see that. Yeah, you really can. You really can. And, I, you know, and it's interesting, isn't it, the season where, you know, we we, we lost John Gruden, who, who proved himself to be a, a footballing, di- you know, a dinosaur in, in, in many ways. And maybe not so much in the way his team's played, but but just in, in his views and his the way he went about business. Yeah, it's not so. It's great. Yeah, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, the way, it's the way that I was looking for. Uh, but it's it's really great to see, you know, in LA that we do have these, these two young, you know, manag- managers, these two young head coaches. And and I think also when, when you combine a head coach like that with a quarterback like Justin Herbert, who for me, Si, the great debate, isn't it, seems to be over the last 10 years, you know, do you need a quarterback who can move? Do you need a... You know, a Cam Newton, a Lamar Jackson, you know, Josh Allen obviously has got that mobility. Is that what you want in a quarterback? Or do you want a guy who can stay in the pocket and deliver bombs? Do you want a Mahomes, a Herbert? For me, I think as as great as it is to have a quarterback who's who's mobile and can get you those harder yards, I just feel like ultimately still, for all the changes that come back in the NFL, that quarterback who can stay in that pocket, deliver that ball downfield, 
it's still gold for me. And that's probably why we chose Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, and I suppose you could throw Kyler Murray in there as well as those three guys because they could do both. Like, obviously, some more than others. Like, I would say Herbert's probably less, the least athletic out of the three of them, but he can still move. He's got wheels. He can make you move those yeah. chains with his feet. Yeah. These these three are special because they have the arm and then they have other things to go with it, don't they? And I think Herbert's mind, his ability to see the play, throw with they call it throwing with anticipation, throwing before a guy's even hit his break, you know, knowing that he'll yeah. beat his man or knowing he's ahead of, ahead of his play. You know, those things are very difficult to teach. I think that's a pretty much why... You, you look at me and think, wow, I mean, some some of those throws, certainly against Cincinnati, and there was a couple as well against New York, against the Giants. Um, you just think, Jesus, how the hell do you stop it? And it must be demoralizing for a defense, but not, you know, like third downs, and he's almost <laughs> he's almost brought down the pocket, and he just delivers the ball out of nowhere. And Josh yeah. Allen has that in his locker too. You know, you see that arm just come out and throw something when he's like piled on. And that's the kind of thing that you really look forward to to watching. And I think, yeah, it, it, it bodes well. I mean, the, as a Chargers fan, it's remarkable we've had such little success considering for the past two decades now. Yeah. We've got a franchise quarterback. Not many, not many fan bases, I mean, there's some fan bases we've had one in that time for any length of time. You know, we've had two for the whole time of 20 years. Uh, you've probably had another 10 years onto that now considering just how good Justin Herbert is. Yeah, fantastic. Well, Si, we, we promised to fly through this and then we got caught up in a in a good half-hour conversation on the first item on the agenda. But hey... Ah, that's hey, two gone, really, yeah. isn't it? That's two. We've talked, we've talked, we've talked a lot of stuff there. Talked, yeah. What price on a Super Bowl 55... That's me trying to decipher Sam's Roman numerals. Yeah, Super Bowl 55 rerun in 2022. Um, the Chiefs' defence side has probably been the outstanding defensive unit of the past month or so. Um, it, it's weird. It, it still feels weird to me that, that, that we're talking about the Chiefs defense, who only, you know, two months ago, after the first few weeks of the season, we were talking about as being historically bad. Does our mate Spags deserve some uh, some credit here, side for for sort of turning the defense around mid-season again? He, he's done it before in Kansas City. Spags has been awesome since he got there. Quite simply, uh, they big decision they made under uh, Andy Reid to go from a three-four to a four-three because they had all the pieces for a three-four. Uh, Spice comes in, changes it to a four-three, but keeps some elements of a three-four. He's not a dinosaur, isn't Spice? Despite being around for a long time, two Super Bowl rings yeah. on his fingers from the time he was Giants defensive coordinator, of course. Uh, you know, kicked around the lead a long time. He's obviously been a head coach as well, which didn't go down too well at St. Louis. But um, yeah, it showed some ability to adapt and use pieces as as needed. And of course, the Chiefs aren't shying at him pieces where they can, you know, little movements for like uh, Melvin Gordon, for instance, when they're a bit low on pass rush. Great move, you know, fair enough. Balls to that team. They, uh, he's done, he's done something special there. I mean, this is no surprise. We know this this defence can play football. We saw it against Tennessee in the playoffs last year, didn't we? We saw, was it last year or the year before? I can't remember now, where they turn it around and uh, the big defensive tackle. Two years ago, yeah. Two years ago. Yeah. They, they are very capable of winning a football game. You know, they've had to make some tweaks in the secondary, haven't they? You know, uh, they benched there. Uh, what's his face? It's Sorensen. Benched him after one too many whiffs on the play. But to me, they've got it. They've got it on both sides of the football. You know, they, and the look is in, isn't it now, with the Chiefs? You know, we saw it for the first eight weeks of the season. They were just unlucky. It was that simple. And it's stupid. Like, we said this over and over again. Nine yeah. tip pop balls for interceptions. Come on. I mean, it's, that's just, that, that form is... That, 
that consistency of that is just not going to remain through the season and, and they've benefited from it and of course it's difficult for teams to play Kansas City obviously they've got very, they are talented on defence I, I think they've been probably underappreciated for the past two seasons just how good they are on defence but just imagine facing that offence and realising you're probably going to have to score 40 points to win a football game that makes you change the way you play offence it makes you take more risks and of course when you've got people like Tyron Matthew at the back end of a, of a, of a defence that can also get pressure up front interior pressure at that it's going to be extremely difficult for teams to carefully attack a Kansas City defense. They're going to have to take risks, and they're going to pay the price for it. And I think if you look at the Chiefs for the last few weeks, they have been phenomenal on both sides of the football. It's a team that, as Sam says, we should, no one should have counted them out early in the season. Now, watch out. Yeah, yeah and it's interesting you talk about that Daniel Sorensen, who, you know, as you say, his benching became sort of symbolic of the the Chiefs' poor start to the season and and his redemption. You know, he got that pick six against Denver. Mm. He's played lights out since he came back into the team. Is also symbolic of, of their turnaround. And um, that thing about the offence as well, it, it's so interesting, isn't it? That it, it Watching the offence, there's the occasional downfield bomb to Tyreek Hill. That, that, that there, was, there was one on Sunday again when they destroyed the Raiders. Um, Travis Kelsey has, has, has been... He's been kind of scripted out in some games this season, but but they seem to be finding now new ways to do it. Darrell Williams for me, Sai, has been kind of the unsung hero mm. on, on this offense this season. That you know, not just when when Ceh was out for 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 a few weeks, where he filled in admirably, but but even with Ceh back in the game, they're finding ways to sort of scheme these running backs open, and um, you know. Having had that sort of criticism last season that, oh, they can't really run the ball with with, with Clyde, they sort of have landed on this this sort of setup where, okay, if you if your defense is going to try and take away long shots to Tyreek and and and, and double team um, Kelsey, we're going to find other ways to hurt you. Yeah, very reminiscent of the Super Bowl winning season when it was Damian Williams, yeah. wasn't it, at the back? It was. Too, they were yeah, finding football. Give him his space yep. and see what he can do. They're not shy of changing it up. You know, the, the big pieces will get taken out. Miko Hardman last uh, month has had a much elevated workload because teams are trying to take away their big threats. Well, I mean, good luck with that. When they, I mean, Josh Gordon's getting his share now, isn't he? Of course, he's coming to the team. Everyone's taking up other options. You can't cover everybody. And we've got a quarterback like Mahomes who, who's going to pick holes in you at the best of times. Then you start leaving people on mark because you're double-teaming uh, Travis Kelsey, you're asking for trouble. It, you've got to match some talent for talent. It's not an easy thing to do. There's not many defenses who you put one-on-one matchups against the Chiefs and say oh, they can compete in this game. You know they get a few breaks, they're going to go their way. That's just not the case with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are ultra-talented football team. That's that simple. You know they've got and they've got excellent coaching too. There's not many weaknesses when you look at the team front of, front of office on the field. Too hard, too hard, and they're too smart as well. You know, they, they will—they've got no pride. They're not—they're not, they're not going to say no. We will play the way we want to play. You know, like these teams, some teams are like, no, we're going to do it this way because that's who we are. Chiefs aren't yeah. the Chiefs aren't afraid to mix it up. I mean, even if, even if they do, if the teams do seem to start styling them everywhere you look. Mahomes will start running the football, but it has been noticed that the running game has, you know, even t- taking this offense to an even greater level the last few weeks because, like you say, Williams has been something special and Clyde Edwards Hilaire. He's been struggling to come back for a bit of injury, but last week seemed to get going a little bit, didn't he, as well? So, yep. it's time, isn't it? Like, I really would not, I really would 
not want to be playing the Chiefs from now until no. the end of the season. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think the potential of a, of a Chiefs Patriots AFC Super, um, Championship game is fascinating to me. It, it's mm. it's, and I think they're probably now probably the best two teams. It's hard saying the AFC because it's mm. been up and down all season, but they feel like they're the teams that I trust the most right now. Yeah, good. In yeah. The you're doing what Sam Sam's tried to do for the past ten weeks, aren't you? And pick your team. Yeah, I am. All right, I know it's crazy. Well, well, let's talk about another one of those teams um, and another great game from Sunday. Uh, the, the Bills, mm-hmm. who, who obviously had that that fantastic comeback, but then heartbreaking overtime loss to the Bucks. When you felt the momentum was 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 it was was going with them. Um, okay, they lost the game. The Bucks sort of strengthened their credentials. But actually, if you were the Bills, would would you be more heartened in in, in even though this was another gut wrenching defeat and you're seven and six and you're not where you want to be? But does were the signs in that comeback of of this Bills team showing some stones and, and showing some heart? Yeah, I mean, obviously the way they came back was was impressive. But you, as much as you confident, you know, you you're upbeat about that. You've got to be downbeat by the fact that you were down so far. You know, yeah, it's a big moment. Like we've talked about some teams in big moments. The Bills are struggling this season, and while you know, I don't think anybody should be moaning. Like there was an interesting thing on Twitter. I can't remember which uh, beat writer wrote it, saying how some fans said they were going to go down to the Carolina game next weekend, uh, but they're not going to now because they're sick of it. And I'm like, sick of what? Being relevant. The Buffalo Bills are a significantly relevant football team in the AFC this season. They're still very much in, in with a shout of getting to the playoffs. They've had three tough yeah. games in, in in a row. You know. This is a team that, before Sean McDermott, you have to go back to Marv Levy era in the early 90s like to to find a, a head coach yeah. with a winning record. This is a ridiculous yeah. notion to think that the Buffalo Bills somehow are disappointing people right now despite having a winning record. Welcome to the NFL in 2021, folks. You know, no team is running away with it. If you're moaning about 7-6, and six, just look at the best teams in, in the NFC have got nine wins. You're two games behind. Let's, let's tone it down a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, the, perform- yeah. The, the comeback, and it was... A lot of that was on just how well uh, Josh Allen fought through adversity, I thought. I thought he was phenomenal. Game plan was interesting, wasn't it? Not running the football uh, with, a, with a running back, with a designated running back. For, what was it, until like the third quarter? And lo and behold, as soon as he yeah. gets the football, he breaks one off. I mean, yeah. That, yeah, you can question moments like that. But, I mean, for all intents and purposes, across the course of a game, they competed. I know, obviously, it was it was tough to watch for the first two and a half quarters. But we are talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers here, the Super Bowl champions. I think I think it, it's a balance, isn't it? It's a balance. You've got to you, there are concerns. We've we've mentioned concerns before with the Bills, just about how they're balancing their team. But I think fans need a more balanced view of just how bad they were, how good they are now. And, you know, this is far from over for the Bills. Far from over. Is this is the site is there not a, a, I guess um some validity in the critique that there's been on Bill's management about not being able to assemble a running game. When you look at, say, what's happened in Arizona, and, you know, perhaps you can draw comparisons. The Bills and the Cardinals have these exciting young quarterbacks who are very mobile, get lots of grounds and t- lots of yards on the ground and touchdowns with their legs, as well as redeveloping his passes over the years. But but the thing that you know we mentioned it earlier, what the Cardinals have gone out with James Conner and brought in, and, and Edmonds has developed. The Bills don't have that extra dimension to their offense, so 
the running game on Sunday was Josh Allen. The passing game was, you know, obviously is, is Josh Allen. Um, they lack that extra dimension uh, in, in that running game. Is that not a fair critique? And, you know, they've, they've, they've gone out and they've grabbed Devin Singletary and they, they've grabbed uh, Zach Moss and my old mate Matt Breit is in there now. Um, but it, it's just not clicked this season and hasn't for quite a few seasons now. Well, the interesting thing, of course, is that they didn't address the position in the draft this year. Obviously, two drafts ago, they went and got Singletary. Draft last before last, they went and got Zach Moss. And then this time, they didn't really get anybody, did they? I mean, yeah. I, 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 might be, it's hard to criticise, isn't it, uh, Brandon Bean and what they've done in Buffalo because yeah, they've turned things course. around since they've been there and you trust them in every other regard. They've brought the quarterback of the future. They went out and were very aggressive in getting Stefan Diggs, you know, a franchise receiver for him. They've built pieces around him. The tight end's good. The offensive line's been much improved and the defence is coming on this season. So it's hard, to, it's hard to critique him in that regard and you do wonder what the plan is at running back and, whether, and just how much they value, you know, putting capital into that position because we know that running back in in the league is a devalued position by by a lot of teams don't we yeah i mean if you look at the starters across the other 31 teams i guarantee a lot of them weren't early draft picks so maybe they were hoping to land on the feet with some of these guys maybe they thought the combination of two third round picks in moss and singletary could get the job done and they probably can that they've struggled a little bit haven't this season I i don't know um I don't like the idea of picking on Brandon Bean because his track record set suggests that you shouldn't. It's when head co- it's when front offices make continued mistakes or repeatedly fail to do things. Like, for instance, as a Chargers fan, Chargers fans were screaming for 12 years of Philip Rivers' 17 years in the league to give him an O-line, an offensive line, and he never did. So two seasons without a running game, I think you can live with Just give him a, a pass, certainly, and hopefully this time next year we won't have the same discussion. That's when you start to think, hang on, something's not quite right here. How hard is it to go out and find a running back who can bear some of the load that Josh Allen is currently suffering under? Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because when, when you look on the other side of the field, you, you see a team in the books who've done exactly that. They were struggling to run the ball. But it, yeah. They went out and picked up Benny Fennett off the street and, and they've got him going... I mean, does it also say something about, and this is maybe a more philosophical question about running backs, but look at the money that they paid Lev Bell in, in New York mm-hmm. and look how badly that's turned out. Look at what Zeke has turned out since Jerry gave him all of that money. It goes back, Does it? Does, is there something about this that gets to the heart of that, you know, that discussion about what is the true value of, of, of a top-class running back when you can grab a Lenny Fournette off the street and, and, and he can run wild. How how many of us thought that Leonard Fournette would be as big a hit uh, yeah. in Tampa Bay? when They paid peanuts for him because his his stock after leaving the Jaguars was at an all-time low. Um, and you look at him last year, you didn't really think he'd amount to much. Basically, the similar amount to what Ronald Jones has amounted to. The Buccaneers running game last year was probably worse than the Bills. Yeah, But, but all of a sudden... Leonard Fournette, something's clicked. He's now part of the passing game, isn't he, in Tampa Bay? And I think we should talk about yeah. Tampa Bay because obviously that's the other part of this question yeah. about this yeah, 50, Super Bowl 55 rerun. Um, it's, it's, where, how the hell do you stop that Buccaneers offense if they now have that almost Kansas City-like dynamic running back game in the backfield? Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost impossible, isn't it? Like you say, Leonard Fournette, was that, seven touchdowns this season, five through the air, something ridiculous. Really kicked it up in the last uh, three or four weeks. 
Then you've got Godwin, you've got Evans, you know, you've got those tight ends. Gronkowski's playing like <laughs> he's, he's 27, you know. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's it, the old Gronk. It, it's the old Gronk. It, it's the it's the Gronk that Brady had a couple of years before he left New England. It, it's, I don't know if there's something to say about those older bones in the Florida sunshine. Yeah, I, potentially just, that year out. It, it, it looked something, like, doesn't it? Yeah, whatever it is, it looks good. But the, th- the best thing about the, the Buccaneers for me is that offensive line. It is the key to absolutely everything. It's one of the best in the league. It allows Brady to do what he can, what he needs to do, you know. And then all those pieces around it. I, I I feel like I'm doing a disservice to that ultra mean front seven they've got on the defense because you know obviously that's phenomenal too. You know, Vita Vea just getting teeth knocked out and laughing about it. He's so big and nasty. Yeah. You know, you, you those linebackers, Devin Bush just. Is it Devin White? Sorry, just nipping everywhere, just causing car- carnage. It's a, it's a star-studded it, roster. It, but it's almost like Brady's gone somewhere and created a dream team with Bruce Arians, yeah. isn't it? It's almost like it, it it's does. A, it's it the does. perfect scenario for this guy who is he's obviously an elite football player, one of the best of all time. Have a way you slice it, and he's just been able to go somewhere, do something and that think, no one else has ever done at his age, and 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 do it in, in almost like a perfect fashion, isn't it? Yeah. Because that that win was on him. It, it, it was down to the throws he mm. was making. It you know it wasn't. Look at my running game. Look at my defense. It wasn't the it end was, of the Patriots, was it? Where he was riding it a little bit. Absolutely, it was okay. You need me to win you this game. Well, here I go. And mm. uh, I, I I think that that, that Bucks defense. I, I think it it was looking a little leaky earlier in the season. I think there was some there was some injuries in the secondary. Still, um, still got a couple, haven't they? Let's be fair. Got a couple, I, th- I think Carlton Davis coming back for them is big. Antoine Winfield Jr. coming back mm. for them is, is big. They I were think, gassed, um, though. I mean, let's not forget. With... Let's not forget they, you know, they were gassed at the end of this one, and the Bills made him pay, almost made him pay. I know they were. I know they, the Bills they, took their opportunities well, but I mean, it's something think, to consider, think, isn't it? I think it definitely is. I, I just feel like with that Bucks defense, it's 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 a playmaking defense, mm. so. They will they they will give up yards. They'll give up a touchdown. It's quite but reminiscent of the uh, like... Seahawks defense back in the day. Yeah, you know, big big explosion they'll, moments. You know that they will snatch the game away. Moments. That's it. They'll 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 get a fumble. They'll get a turnover. They'll get a pick six. They just can explode. You know, and, and Todd Todd Bowles side. Um, my, my mate, shout out to Finding Kev. I'll, I'll make the Bears fan. He was uh, he was big enough, Todd Bowles, as a potential uh, head coach in Chicago. I don't know whether Chicago is the right spot, but is Todd Bowles, who, let's be honest, I did a pretty good job with the Jets when you look at what's happened to the Jets since he left. Maybe there's a bit of a Jim Caldwell thing going on there with Todd Bowles. I, I don't know. But Todd Bowles for, for head coach in, in 2022, what do you think? Todd Bowles is a phenomenal coordinator that, I don't. I am of the personal belief that being very good co- coordinator, game schemer doesn't necessarily make you a good head coach. It's not the only thing. Okay. It's just not. Um, you've got to have something else. You've got to have a bit of charisma. I don't, I'm not saying Bowles doesn't have it. I thought the job he did in, in New York was as, as good, if not better, than any head coach that has coached in New York since maybe the first two or three years of the Rex Ryan era. You know, this is. Um, he is he's special. He is special, you know. His, his blitz packages alone, you just yeah. can't. How are you supposed to contain it? No idea. It's not like, and he's done it everywhere he's been as well. It's not like he's relying on this Tampa Bay talent. The the guy is one of the best to do it. Um, whether or not he's a head coach or not, I don't know. He should get another shot. He really should. And if he can't do it, then then maybe there, there is something to be said for that. But 
head coaching is a lot more than just calling schemes and plays. You've got to have something about you that makes people want to play for you. You've got to be able to bring a team together. It can't just be X's and O's, although that is a big part of it. And for some coaches, that is a huge part of it, such as Shanahan, such as McVeigh. But both those guys, players will play for them. You know, they say there's something, there's, there's some, something about them, isn't there? The Brandon Staley, again, like we just discussed, you know, there's something about him. There's very few of them that are of the Belichickian-style mold, where it's the case of I'm the master, the real smart guy. Just listen to what I'm going to tell you, and we're going to do this. Do your job, you know. Not everyone has that. You know, it's very rare, isn't it? So, I, I don't know what I'm saying. Interesting one, though, of course, is Baron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator, who, uh-huh. Wardy, you're going to tell me now where he spent most of his career as a, a quarterback. Uh, Arizona? Nope. Arizona? No, it was not. It was Jacksonville. And who's looking for a head coach right now, Rob? Who is looking uh, for a head coach? There's your segue. There's my segue. You can do that timeout thing all you want, buddy, if you want. We don't can need have a quick time. Do you need one? I wouldn't mind one, yeah, just to go for a wee and stop a drink up. If there's only two of us, we don't. there's no uh, need to stop, stop recording. So, But that's fine. I'll uh, I'll reboot it in a sec. All right. Yeah, we're, we're, we don't need to get out, do we? Cause I think no, it's... no, that's good. Well, you're noisy, you're a noisy bastard. You no wonder they banished you to the bloody attic. That's just my chest, mate. Wait till you uh, hear the rest of me. <laughs> Cre- creaking. So, should we go back in? Because I, I, I like this AFC North chat. I think it's fascinating. Do, yeah, do whatever you want, mate. We'll go. I've segued yeah. you to uh, Urban Meyer, but you can you can just say. Oh, you yeah. have. No- Let's do that. Let's do that. No, that's we'll yeah, definitely talk AFC North, though. I'm fine with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finish on the AFC North. All right. Thank you for setting me up there, Simon. Expertly. So professional. Urban Meyer. Um, so is, is this one of the worst head coaching experiences that any team has had in the NFL? I've not known too many head coaches get fired before the end of their first season as a head coach. He's made a right pig's ear of this, hasn't he? Or did, <laughs> did he? Is it all done on purpose? The, so, there's, there's two ways of looking at going? this. It, it, as, a, as a, any head coach in this situation, it's appalling, isn't it? The big question is, why can't college football coaches make it in the NFL? So since, the two, in, since 2000, let's look at some head coaches hired first time 
head, NFL head coaches right. coming from right. college football. Uh, 2001, Butch Davis was hired uh, by the Cleveland Browns from Miami. He went 24-35. 2002, okay. see Steve Spurrier, the old football coach, Florida legend. He went to the Washington, then Redskins. He went 12-20. and 20. Fucked off. Nick Saban, yeah. absolute college football royalty. Yeah. The, the king of college football. He yeah. went, he went yeah. two seasons at Miami. He was 15-17 after being an LSU head coach and winning a national championship. Bobby Petrino is the only other head coach in this era that has come in from uh, outside the NFL, from college football, to coach the NFL in the first season and leave before the end of his season. He went 3-10 and with the Atlanta Falcons after coming from Louisville. He went to coach Arkansas. He just left. Wasn't sacked, just left and decided to go to Arkansas to coach in the SEC. Yeah. Bottled yeah. it. Bottled it, I think. Three and ten, shiny. Then you've got your boy Jim Harbour. You know, the absolute exception that proves the rule. 44-19-1 and one in his time at San Francisco. Yeah. Phenomenal, wasn't yeah. it? Should never have been sacked, Si. He shouldn't have, but I mean, I think... Yeah. Uh, but you might be wrong, but uh, it was more of a, an abrasive thing, wasn't it? He was struggling. They were struggling to get on, weren't they? 2000... It, yeah. It was a struggle, I think. 2012, Greg Schiano. He went from Rutgers, where he's an absolute legend. Uh, Rutgers is a very shit college football team for any, anybody who's coached there outside of Greg Schiano, who turned it into a team that can compete in the Big Ten. And he's done it again. He's doing a top, getting a top 20 recruiting class as we speak. Uh, but his period in the NFL, at Buccaneers, 11-21. and 21. Doug Marone went from Syracuse to Buffalo in 15-17. That was regarded as a success back then. Uh, Chip Kelly. He's got a winning record. 26-21 when he went from Oregon to uh, Philly. It wasn't Obviously, if you look at his full NFL record, if you include the 49ers season, it won't be a winning record. Bill O'Brien, 52-48 at Houston. Is that good? Is that bad? Don't know. Cliff, 23-21 at the moment. Yeah. It, it's a, sorry. I got, it's a funny one with O'Brien, isn't it? Maybe it's a conversation for another time. It always felt like he was maybe a better coach than he was a general manager which is what he became but, but, but I, don't, I don't know but also not yeah. a people person going back to my no, previous comment not, about no. uh, Todd Bowles no. we, we don't I mean I don't want to cast aspersion at Tom Bowles I simply do not know the answer to but they've got to be able to galvanise locker room haven't they and that's what one of Bill O'Brien's biggest problems Cliff Kingsbury 23-21 currently um, and <laughs> destined to get better Matt Rule 10-19 and 19, halfway through his second season that's starting to look a little bit pear-shaped for the lad uh, and then Urban Meyer 2-10 and 10. And what an absolute soap drama. He should be on Brookside, this. This is absolutely ridiculous, isn't it, really? Uh, from the start there. Absolutely. It's gone to shit from the start, really, hasn't it? So, I mean, if we sort of chronicle some of these some of these incidents that, that, that have kind of taken place um, since he was hired, that it feels to me, Si, like the, the, the one thing that they say that, lets the college coaches down or is the main reason they struggle to adapt is because they go and they treat highly paid professional athletes like their college kids. Mm. And there's a story, isn't it, that, that, that came out this week from, from earlier on in the season with uh, just, I'm sure we saw this with John Lambeau, who was a pretty effective kicker for them. Um, he was, that they were warming up or something or other and, Lambo was going through his warmth and he was doing a stretch and Maya came over to him and, and he just kicked him, kicked him in the, in the back leg. And Lambo was kind of like, uh, do, do you mind not doing that? And he's like, I'm the fucking head coach. If I want to kick you, I'll fucking kick you. And I just thought, what's that trying to achieve? What, what, what you know, I'm okay. It, it's a one-off anecdote, but to me, it, it's 
it's so revealing of a sort of I've got to walk in here and I've got to play the big man and the hard man. And it just doesn't wash for me, Si. I think you can be you can be disciplinarian, you can be tough, but for the sake of just trying to be the tough guy, the hard guy, to prove a point, when, yes, you've got a successful CV from college, but in the pro game, it, it, I don't know, it, it feels to me that perhaps that was at the heart of, of, of Meyer's downfall. I, I don't know how you see it. Well, it's not just an isolated incident, is it? Go back to when he first started. Hired some kind of assistant who, whilst he was a coach at Iowa, was racist and a bully. Had to fire him. I know best Urban Meyer brings in Tim Tebow as a tight end. Very much can make the roster. Three weeks later, he's gone. Tim Urban Meyer decides it's an open competition at quarterback with his you know number one overall draft pick, yeah. uh, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Gives half the snaps to Gardner Minshew, then trades Gardner Minshew away, depriving Lawrence of you know, premium pre-season learning opportunities. Uh, Urban Meyer, despite having a thousand-yard rusher on his team, decides to, you know, with him and the genius that is Trent Bolke to draft uh, a third-down running back in the first round because they missed out on a previous on a different talent. You know, um, who's then missed the season with injury, albeit you know not not their yeah. fault. Uh, sure. Urban Meyer, who decides, you know, decision maker. Urban Meyer who decides to stay in Ohio after the game against Cincinnati, go to his old stomping ground where he was Ohio State head coach, yeah. and you know, get into trouble, <laughs> um, cavorting with a young uh, young woman. And, and isn't that sorry, is sorry to cut you off? I'll, I'll absolutely mm. let you finish. It, isn't that the the big turning point? It, it felt like it was because it felt like if you're you're playing the hard man, you're dishing shit out. Oh, we're not gonna, we're, we've got a quarterback controversy brewing. In if you're trying to play that card, and then you do something that is so fucking college and so fucking amateur and just so fucking stupid as a married man to be caught out doing something like that, isn't that where these problems? maybe not started, but really came to a head. Yeah, well, more, more than likely, he, lo- he, he lost the dre- dressing room. This is, yeah. I'll, I'll get to it a little bit, but when I was at London and, we, and we were, I was covering the Jaguars and I went to the press conference, you know, there's rumours then that he went into the locker room and apologised to the guys, but, but basically fobbed it off. And they just laughed at him as he left the locker room. You know, he got it gone. There's a story about Marvin Jones falling out with him and they had it out like many said and they sorted it out. But, you know, he really didn't have the respect of that locker room. There's a moment, apparently, two weeks ago, where he told all his assistant coaches that they were fucking useless. Yeah. He said that the, yeah. he's the worst coach team he's ever presided over. I mean, what are you, what are you even doing? Did you see he the said to them, tell me what you've won. Yeah, I've yeah. won this. Tell, tell me if you're winners or not. He's a jerk. He's a jerk. Did you see the way he shook uh, Mike Vrabel's hand? Who Mike Vrabel's worked for Urban Meyer before as an assistant, yeah. uh, assistant coach at Ohio State. You know, they should have some respect there. You know, absolutely non-given. And then there's this incident where he kicks Josh Lambeau in the leg and says, oh, dipshit, make your kicks. You know, yeah. I've met Josh Lambeau. He's a top bloke. There's absolutely, yeah. there's no, I'm not calling Urban Meyer a liar. I mean, he's fucking liar. But I'm not. But there's no way Josh Lambeau's made this up, even though Urban Meyer's denied it. Um, and if there's anybody uniquely positioned to not understand what a kick is, it's a fucking kicker. So let's not get ourselves twisted here. The fucking... Idiot has done him. He tried to get sacked. It feels like he's desperately tried to get sacked out of this situation. It was never destined to work. It's an absolute mess. Just fuck him off. You know, I don't think. I think he's done anyway. I don't think he's going to go back to the college game or anything like that. I think it's a joke, absolute joke from top to toe, mate. It's just, it's it's, it's Shah Khan though. You know, he's, he's hired Trent Bulky. He was a failed GM in 
in San Francisco. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a bad decision then. After he had the issue in Ohio, he says, like, he's got to get our respect back and all this crap. You know, there's something about Sharkhan. He can't make good decisions when it comes to hiring top guys. He hasn't done it at Fulham. He hasn't done it at Jacksonville since he's been there. Yeah. Get somebody well, with some morals in, for fuck's sake, yeah. at the very least. Come on. This is what I was going to talk to you about, because as, as an Everton fan, I'm, I'm first of all, Josh Lambert was it was it was a trial goalkeeper at Everton. Uh, second of all, I'm very aware of the concept of an owner who has got a shitload of money, but zero football judgments, because that's kind of what Everton have got right now. Is the word nouse. Nouse. Footballing nouse. And it feels like Shard Khan had been courting Urban Meyer for years, hadn't he? So the story goes. This catastrophe is as much a reflection, is it not, on his ownership and his style as it is on Urban Meyer's ability as a coach. What needs to happen for the Jags now? As you say, Trent Balky's in charge and that isn't great. Um, Are they a little bit stuck in this sort of cycle of we've got a very hands-on owner who wants to keep making decisions, wants to keep interfering in the running of him. Well, yeah, in say interfering, it is his club. He, he pays the bills. But that isn't always a, a, a good thing when it comes to someone who struggles with football judgments. Yeah, if anybody gave a shit about the NFL in Jacksonville, then he'd be in banging trouble with Shah Khan because literally mm. he's not... Mm. Uh, Business acumen-wise, you know, getting a lot of fans over in the UK, fair play, well done. On the football side of things, he needs to hire someone. He needs to, I mean, they tried it already with Tom Coughlin, but someone who, who's good at it, they need somebody who can be like the, the football supremo there. I don't know who, I don't know what. I bet someone above the GM who, who at least can hold the GM accountable because he doesn't seem like he can do that. I mean, And he's very loyal as well. He didn't want to sack Urban Meyer. Urban Meyer should have gone probably four weeks ago. Didn't do. Um, and how long did it take to sack Gus, Gus Bradley? I mean, lovely guy, Gus Bradley, great at <laughs> coaching defences, but Jesus Christ, he, how many lives did he have to have in Jacksonville? D- Doug Marone, another guy, dead man walking, took forever to get rid of him. Where's the good hires here? You know, last good, yeah. the last good head coach that the Jacksonville Jaguars have had, really, was Jack Del Rio. And that, and that was brought in under the previous owner. You know, that wasn't anything to do with Shark Khan. Yeah. They, they have to... You have to know when you're not good at something. The, the smartest people know what they can't do. That is a, that, one of the, yeah. the classic fable, yeah. you know, classic parable. Yeah. Get somebody yeah. in who knows, right? A consultant, smart dude in the front office who can oversee these things. Get rid of Trent Balky, get a proper good GM in, and let's get this thing going because until they do that, Jacksonville, it's a mess, isn't it? And Urban Meyer's gone, the stain's gone. They're still the laughing stock of the league. They've had one good season in the past 15. What, what are you going to do about it? You know, Sean, sort it I, out. I would, his, his son's son, something, isn't he? His son's basically in charge of things and things like that. His son it's knows t- as t- much t- as t- you t- do. Fuck off. Get yeah. someone in who knows about football. Come on, let's stop messing around now. He, he runs, uh, you'd be interested in this. His son, Tony Khan, runs a, a wrestling company called All Elite Wrestling. I wonder A-E-W. what that video was for. And that's what it is, mate. You remember Chris Jericho? He's yeah. there now. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, they, they did some video, didn't they, where they were throwing footballs at him. And there was it kicked off and went into like the J- Jacksonville end of things. That's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Jr. You remember Jr. The old comments. He's there now. I do. So they're like the big channel. That's was that that? So basically, Evan Meyer handing a laptop to a wrestler was the was the pinnacle of his Jaguars career. Is that what we're saying? Essentially, that was it, mate. Yeah, mm. yeah. Quickly, 
How worried are you for Trevor Lawrence after nah, this season? I'm not worried. I mean, <laughs> talent-wise, I'm not worried. I'm worried if if it continues to be put in his position for the next four years of his rookie contract. Of course, I'm worried. Uh, in terms of his ability, not worried at all. Uh, he's, he's been dealt possibly one of the worst hands a rookie quarterback has. He's on course for a season worse than Josh Rosen, which is which is t- tough to swallow, I'll tell you that. But yeah, yeah. You, you, you back the talent to come through. Good man, good man, I like it. Quickly, Sight, let's run through the, the AFC North because it's just good fun, isn't it? Every week it's, it's changing. So what happened in week 14 in the, in the AFC North? The Steelers went to Minnesota on Thursday night, got blown out. For fun game though, wasn't it? Great game. <laughs> They mounted an incredible comeback, um, as they did against your Chargers, I believe. Um, they've got heart, haven't they? They've got fight. They might not have the talents of some of the other teams in that division, but they've got spirit and they've got coaching. And I mean, the the, the six six and one size, so they are perfectly positioned to go eight eight and one. <laughs> they might, they might be true, but at the same time. Would you be massively surprised if they snuck in the back door there in the AFC? Yeah, I would. They got. They got <laughs> I would be surprised because it's. I say I would be surprised. I fucking would. But uh, they just this this basic mistakes being made here. I mean, you know what they say about teams who, who show good fight yeah. week in week out to come back into games. They're fucking losing every week, obviously. Yeah, that's yeah. What, that's yeah. what's happening, isn't it? You know, let's face it. The, Bill, the Steelers have got to be. I think they'll be disappointed with where they are at, and that's that's important. You know that shows that they're not playing to the standards. I know, obviously, Ben Roethlisberger's at the end of career, but talk about B- Buffalo not sorting out running game. What's what's the uh, succession plan once Ben's gone? Nothing set in stone yet. You know that that might be considered negligent. Well, it might be the final the nail. Steelers, in the... Sorry, the Steelers' running game seems pretty handy to me right now with Najee Harris. Yeah, but I mean the, saying... the succession plan of Ben Roethlisberger is what I'm talking about. Sorry. Oh, sorry, you said the Bills running back. Yeah, I was, yeah. They've got no right. plan there. What's the plan for the Steelers at right. quarterback? You know, quarterback, so. No, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it was a bit of a jump. But, um, you know, that would be considered negligent if, if if they haven't got a plan in place. And, you know, whilst I think this is appalling that Mike Tomlin's position gets questioned at Pittsburgh, it's going to be if that's the situation. Certainly him and, and GM Kevin Colbert. Yeah, Sam, one thing I've got a bit of annoyance. Sam, AFC North is it worse than the AFC East? I mean, that's just, that's first of all, you're throwing the AFC East under the bus when it's got you know like saying it's, it was shit when it's got the Patriots, Dolphins, and Bills who can all make the playoffs, and the AFC North have had teams in it who have to, have been the number one seed for maybe half of the season, you know, in the <laughs> AFC. Like the Bengals held it for two weeks, the the Ravens held it for three weeks. You know, the, the Browns would look good early doors until they had their injuries, and they had a good win last week. And, you know, this is a, 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 a tough, this is a big a big division, this. Uh, they play a bit cannibalistic, and that's why the records aren't, no one's standing out, but that's the case for the NFL everywhere. I think Sam's been a bit of a dickhead with this. Well, well, I mean, it's just par for the course for him, isn't it? But yeah, I, I, I think the AFC North has just been fascinating. So, you know, that's the Steelers. Let, let, let's come on to, um, let's come on to the Ravens side, who this season have kept pulling off these these wins out of nowhere that they came back against the Colts on Monday night. They 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 came back from four turnovers down you know, lost to, to the Browns to win that game on, on, on Sunday night football. That they but but you know, let's talk about two things I suppose. They've not looked convincing 
for me at any point this year, except perhaps for that big win against your Chargers. But now also they're contending with Lamar Jackson, who, who went out hurt. I, I've not looked at a prognosis. I'm not sure what the verdict is on that side at the moment. It's but, day to uh, day, uh, day to day. Yeah. So uh, okay. we don't know. Okay. No, I don't think they know. We don't, we don't know. So, but 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 despite all that, there's just something about you know. I talk about the Steelers. There's something about Harbour and Ravens football and that mentality and the culture of that club. They're they're an undescribably better football team than the Pittsburgh Steelers are right now at the bottom Ravens. I know Pittsburgh beat them another week. I don't know how. Um, they I know obviously they've they've not again. It's the lack of consistency. Something's not quite clicking. You know, and obviously the injury to, to Lamar Jackson is big time worrying, but they've been a better football team in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh have struggled to stay playoff relevant and, and uh, Baltimore have been, you know, one of the top three seeds for the most part of the season. Um, have they been up to usual Baltimore standards? No. Has any team this season? Probably not. Um, aside from maybe the Bengals, if you want to move on to those next, because anyone moaning about the Bengals has got a cheek but I think the Ravens are fine one team that gives you confidence that they can do anything you know despite where they've been you know what I mean they could have the worst week of the season you know last three weeks of the season sneaking to playoffs and you wouldn't be surprised if you wanted a bit of a run in the playoffs because they're able to turn things around like that they've got a good coaching staff and they've got a good a good framework to operate over there and of course uh, on his day Lamar Jackson can beat anybody I'm not concerned about the Ravens at all you said what the Bengals sign. You say anyone's got a cheek for criticising them. Is that is that because of what we were expecting of them pre-season to the fact that they're now playoff relevant, so they get a bit of a free pass this year? Um, because it, you know it could be argued they were looking great, they set themselves up nicely, and then they were hammered by the Browns and lost to the freaking Jets. And then they pulled it back and they won a couple of games and they were looking good again. And they lost two consecutive home games to the Chargers and the Niners. You know, it, you, you just don't feel like, forget all criticism, this team is playing well. Yes, there's been frustrating losses, but look where they were pre-season. Hope. They've got hope. You know, and of course, I thought Marvin Lewis, a great career in Cincinnati considering, never won a playoff game. That's a hurdle that they, they were not close to coming to by the end of his tenure. When Zach Taylor came in, it was a different story. They were cleaning house, weren't they? We knew that. You know, it was the end of Andy Dalton. He seemed to have faded away. Lost a lot of the pieces. It was very much dysfunction in that franchise. He won two games. Next year, last year, won four games. You know, this 4-11 last season, 4-11-1. You know, it's a bad, bad football team we're talking about then. This season, he's won seven games already. There's still four to go. He could get double-digit wins if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan. You should be... Whooping for joy, nobody would have expected that. That's good enough. I know, yeah, okay, you've, you've lost some banana skins. You've also pulled out some absolute bonkers, big-time wins this season, certainly in that division. They've probably got, the, they probably got the, the, um, the tiebreakers in that division if it comes down to a tie, I think. I think they've they, won four. They've, hammered, they've battered the, bank, the, the Ravens. They've battered the Steelers twice. Yeah, yeah. I think they, they lost to the Browns, but there's another game coming there. Yeah, I think, they're looking, I think they're looking in a good situation. Even if they don't make the playoffs, say they get eight or nine wins, it's, they've doubled. Last season, you know, it's another stepping stone forward. And when you've got that offense looking how good it looks, you know, the passing game is there and Joe Mixon's there. They haven't even sorted out that O-line properly yet, but they've got everything else. You know, and then the defense, Jesus Christ, those linebackers are playing out the skins right now. Jesse Bates is a pro bowl safety. I'm, I'm very much optimistic about Cincinnati, even if they don't make it there this year. You know, they are building in the right direction, and that's all you can ask for as a fan. 
Am I, am I allowed to quickly interject a, how, how how good a win was that for my Niners on Sunday question in the middle of this AFC North thing as we were playing the Bengals? Yeah, well, we all, we all picked the Bengals, so it was classic <laughs> 49ers to stick it, stick it on us. Hey, talk about a team almost throwing it away. What were you playing at the end of that game? Oh mate, tell me about it. Tell me about it. It was a, it was a repeat from the previous Sunday, wasn't it? It was it was it was the Seahawks game all over again, <laughs> except Jimmy. To be fair to him, and, and 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 obviously George Kittle playing big helps. Anyway, sorry, I, I distract from the chat. Finally, side. There's the Cleveland Browns who just have been kind of under the radar all year. It feels like they've been disappointing this year, but then when we look at it, you know. They've had, I think, you know, Nick Chubb's missed a bit of time. Kareem Hunt's missed a bit of time. Baker Mayfield feels like he's been kind of hobbled for, for a lot of this year. They lost Odell. That's kind of their entire offense gone. They're not a great team to watch, side, but the defense is, is stepping up. Miles Garrett is a defensive player of the year candidate. Where are we on the Browns right now? Are they Do we just kind of have to accept that this is a sort of ugly but efficient team like a sort of Tony Pulis Stoke City sort of setup. Uh well coached I think. Everything's calmed yeah. down in Cleveland. There's no drama there. You know, I think what they've done is uh, in the Stefanski year has been very good. Is it a drop down from last season? Yeah, was last season a bit of a outlier, maybe a great first playoff win as well as getting to the players for the first time in twenty odd years. You know, they've set a standard and you have know, got to do that if you want to get better in the NFL. But it does put all that monkey on your back. And then when you're in like you say, you're hampered with these injuries, I think especially the way they play on offense, you know, take away that run game, that's the beating heart of the Cleveland Browns football team. You know, they will run the ball down your throat. So they've got one of the best running games in the NFL when all is said and done and healthy. Uh and it, that's gone and then obviously your quarterback's limping, you're playing Case Keenum in games or you're playing a really duff banged up Baker Mayfield, who obviously we know has not necessarily been a reason why the Browns have won, but certainly since Stefanski's been there, hasn't been a reason why they've lost. Um, it makes it a lot of life a lot harder if you can't, you know, <laughs> if he's got that banged up shoulder. Then on the defence, obviously things have picked up. Yeah, okay, you know, this season may be disappointing compared to last season, but look at it in the grand scheme of things. Again, another team that uh, on the day will beat anybody in the NFL. Browns fans just... Just enjoy this for a little bit, you know. Enjoy these wins. Enjoy these not being a, a shit football team. And then in five years' time, if it hasn't taken that step after step after step and you aren't one of the big boys, then you can go, okay, well, you know, where's the improvement now? You are getting it right now. That's the important thing. I think the FC North in general has four teams that, as a fan, you could not be arguing. I, 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 I was looking at it that way around. I don't understand why people are so annoyed with the Browns and the Bengals. I, really, I just don't get it. I honestly, I honestly, I honestly think it's an absolute joke. Can you go and we're going to be a Lions fan? See how it feels. <laughs> I like it. Sai, you want to do a little, little bit of college football talk? I think. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do a bit of an Accroyd Avenue for him in his absence. It's, it's not going to be much. Um, just That's fine. Because there's no games on. It's the end of the season. We had the. Uh, uh, I'm going to leave a lot of it for Sam. There was the Army Navy game called the Civil War, which Navy won. Um, we'll, we'll let him spill on about it next week. But yeah, it's early National Signing Day yesterday, which is when uh, colleges are recruiting high school players. Uh, there's been a bit of a shock. Obviously, Travis Hunter is the number one recruit. He's a running back, uh, but he's projected to be a cornerback at the, ne- at the college level. Uh, he was all destined to go to Florida State for the past two years. He decommitted on the last day and signed for Jackson State, which is an FCS team, not an FBS team. <laughs> a lower league team, uh, uh, HBCU school, so historically black college or university whose head coach 
is prime time Deion Sanders, who has flipped the number one recruit in the country to an FCS school. It's never been done. It's insane. Um, Epic, isn't it, guy? It, it, well, I don't watch high school football, I couldn't tell you, but he is the number one recruit. And uh, obviously, Dion has got some major pulling power in that area. Uh, but to steal, <laughs> steal a recruit from his own alma mater has not gone down well in Tallahassee. Um, classically, Texas A&M, Alabama and Georgia are one, two, three currently in the, in the in the recruiting range. It's got another two months to go, but a lot of players um, commit now, so they don't have to avoid the rush for running out of scholarships and things like that. Um, Texas have made a bit of a splash. They've uh, saved, you know, they've done very well They're in the top five uh, at the moment. They've got Quinn Ewers, who's, who's the best recruit in the class, but he actually came out last year and went to Ohio State, left a year early from school, made three million dollars from their name and image likeness contracts up in Ohio State, didn't throw a pass and decided to transfer, came back to Texas with all that money, so we've actually got the best quarterback in the draft, some interesting news here, Spencer Spencer Rattler do you remember his name? I do remember, he was the Oklahoma quarterback that was meant to be going the one overall but he's been that bad this year that he was benched for his backup. Correct, well now he's transferred, gone to South Carolina to play for the Gamecocks Because okay. whose head coach is Shane Beamer and was an assistant at uh, Oklahoma. The what? The what? The South Carolina Gamecocks. Fighting Game Cocks. Co- you know, Cocks with like blades on their ankles back in the day and used to fight each other. I, I've met a few angry Cocks in my time. No they, doubt you have. Anyway, as you were, yeah. Yeah, he's going there because Shane Beam is the head coach. He used to be uh, an assistant uh, at Oklahoma who recruited him hard. So he's looking for somewhere to... You know, let's re-establish himself as quarterback that could possibly be drafted. Uh, we'll leave it there, I think. We'll let uh, Sam do his bit uh, next week because there's no rush, let's say. There'll be some bold games to talk about as well, so we'll give him a good 10 minutes next week to spill on about it. I like it. I like it. So, Cy, here is my little, little thing I, I got, London, because at this time of year, at this time of year, it's the last week, Cy, mm. of school, isn't it? You remember this? This is the last week of school for most for most kids. And do you remember what the last week of school was like? It was let's time. stick on it was like let's stick on the Simpsons. Let's do this. Let's do let's do a quiz. Let's throw a quiz together. Now obviously this would have been more fun had Sam Aykroyd been here, but I I'm I'm gonna just sort of go with it and, and, and I've kind of adapted it for just you sight. So here we go. I've thrown together three questions for you. Three three end-of-term school Christmas quiz questions for you. Right, okay. First one is this. Simon Carroll, can you name me uh, the top three players this season who have the most rushing yards? Oh. Which three running backs have the most rushing yards on the 2021 season? So. I'll let you have... Four guesses. All right, let's go with Jonathan Taylor. Is number one with 1,348. I think think Derek Henry might still be in the top three. You are. He is number four. It was a (laughs) really good chat, mate. Mate, let's look at this. Eight games played, 937. He's only 40 yards short of number three, who's played (laughs) games more. That's how phenomenal he is. And he's only about 100 yards short of number two, who's played five games more. There you go. Right, well, we're clutching at straws here. Uh, I would say number three is Nick Chubb then, because he's been out for a bit of injury, hasn't he? Oh, Nick Chubb's number five, mate. Nick Chubb's number five. Number two has rushed for 1,036. Number three has rushed for 978. 
not quite the stellar running back seasons we've seen in the past, but Jonathan Taylor is is, is getting it done, I suppose. Oh, I couldn't tell you, mate. I don't... Oh, running backs. Go on, last guest to get one of them, mate. Oh, let me think. Here we go. What about Cordell Patterson? How many yards has he got? Because <laughs> that'd be quite amusing if he's in the top three, wouldn't it? On the ground, Cordell apparently is only as Cordell's got five hundred and forty-seven. Tell you on what, the ground. He, what, what, what a season that kid's had. Oh, Dalvin oh. Cook, get Dalvin Cook in the top three. You are correct. Dalvin Cook is number three with nine hundred seventy-eight. Number two, sign mm. Joe Mixon. 1,036 yards. That's a bit so, interesting, see? Shut up, Bengals fans. You're doing fine. Exactly. Simon Carroll, can you name the, according to Pro Football Focus, the three quarterbacks with the highest grades in 2021? Justin Herbert. He's not there, mate. Sorry. Bullshit. I'm not playing this game. Tom Brady, got to be number one. Number one, yeah. yeah. The beast. Two so far, you've got three points. You've got your two running backs. You've got you've got a quarterback. You've got two more guesses to get two more quarterbacks. I think Matthew Stafford might be in that top three. No, mate. Those pick sixes don't help anyone. Well, I don't know how PFF doing it. I just know that he's in the top three for something. I think it's quarterback rating in the NFL. It might be. but He's had, he's had some comfortable games, hasn't he? PFF's Chris Collinsworth baby, isn't it? They've actually yeah, been yeah. They've got di- they've oh, got yeah. different ways of doing the stats, haven't they? So they it, ma- do. it makes they it interesting. Is Aaron Rodgers in there? He's not. He's not. Oh, so who the hell is in there? Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is number two. And why else do you think I asked this question? <laughs> no way. Really? Number three. Number three, mate. Jimmy G. <laughs> no. <behave. laughs> who, who, who do I endlessly? endlessly bang the drum for in the face of all the Twitter blowhard no way Captain and, Kirk and, and the talk sport sort of trash talking <laughs> Captain Kirk Cousins is number three according to Pro Football Focus and finally sign finally this is a five point of this one five points for grabs if you can name four players from the same offensive line for any team in the league. Can you name an O-line in the league? Can you name four players from that O-line? That's oh. the challenge. Well, that is a good challenge. <laughs> I, I could probably do the Chargers if I, if I really thought about it. No, right. Corey Lindsley at centre. Yep. Rayshon Slater at left tackle. Oh, yep. Trey Pipkin's got moved around a bit, so I'm not sure if he's going to count as a starter or not now. Oh, this, uh, make, this makes it a no, bit... No, 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 no. You can name someone. That's fine, mate. Oh, Trey Pipkins is definitely a starter uh, at the moment. Left tackle. He is, he's, yeah. he's, you know what? He's going to start tonight. He's abs... Oh, we are going to get so pummeled by the Chiefs tonight because uh, Rayshon Slater... Rayshon Slater, Trey Pipkins, Corey Lindsley. You've got one more to get. Oh, man. Um, let's get some of these guys. We've spent some money on some guys. Oh, um the guy we got from Pittsburgh, who's the who's the flex, is Matt Filer. He plays one of the guard there positions. There you go. Mate. Well, no, you've come got on. It can't be that no, difficult. No, genuinely. No, I genuinely challenge any fan, anyone listening to this podcast, see if you can, without Googling, see if you can name four players from the same O-line. I think... I got there with... I got right? there with the Niners. I got there with the Niners. I got McGlinchey. Alex Matt. Uh, Alex Mark McGlinchey, Trent Williams, and mm-hmm. Tomlinson, Lake and Tomlinson. I got there eventually. 
without Googling. I couldn't do any other team in the NFL. My big problem is go. that I struggle with just names. I, I yeah. struggle the best times with names. I spend half the podcast you know what, going, you know, uh, you, know uh, you know why that is, don't you? Why is that? You're getting old, mate. Well, I've always done it. I've been old, old before my time. Should yeah. we do some picks? Because it's let's this, do some this, picks. this, uh, this target for uh, one hour and seven minutes is well and truly gone, buddy. Oh, yeah. Balls, calls, Sam Simon and Ward. Collapsing pocket, feeling pretty naughty. Making dodgy picks on the footy. Ballsy, callsy. Don't know really much about the sporty. Sam Simon and Ward. But fuck it. It's been the best podcast of the year, mate, and we all know why. <laughs> so anyway, right, let's get on to Ballsy Callsies. All right, buddy. Well, do you want an update? Well, I had a bad week and I lost the lead to you. No, I you know didn't. that much. You did not. Oh, did I not? You had you won. You got nine and five. I went okay. ten and four. So now we are even. We are both on one hundred and twenty nine seventy nine for the season with five ballsy causes each. You couldn't get more tighter. In fact, it's more tighter than Hamilton and Verstappen. So Absolutely. If you want Absolutely. drama, come listen to this podcast. Fuck the F- Formula One because, Absolutely. in my wife's words, it's shite. Um, it's shite. Sam. Way behind. He went eight and six this week, but and he's he's broken the hundred mark. He's one hundred six hundred and two. So okay. he's got some semblance of respectability, but he's still got twenty three games behind us. Anyway, he's got his picks in for the week. Balls, you want a list of ballsy calls you can have? Give me the ballsy calls. It's not a big list. It's not a big list. And if you want to throw another one my way, I will be willing to no. consider it. Talk this time of year. Okay, Carolina. Hang on. Uh, yeah. New York Giants. Yep. Detroit Lions. Yep. New York Jets. Yep. Seattle Seahawks. Yep. And the New Orleans Saints. Okay. Yeah. That's not a big I list. Let's start off with Thursday Night Football, buddy. I got uh, very, very, sorry. Go on. No. The, the Bears at home to the Vikings. That's not a ballsy cause because Minnesota. They, they, get, they get a. A, a sort of Kirk Cousins in prime time discount. I'll tell you right now, if Baltimore <laughs> aren't starting Lamar Jackson, them at home to Green Bay is a ballsy cozy. But I, I don't know if they are. We're not allowed it now, are we? No. That's the rules. No. Tonight, okay, no, I, Thursday fair. night football, big game, starting in about oh, an hour and a half. Chiefs at the Chargers. Oh. Tough one. I think we'll take turns of going first this time to keep up with the uh, I like honour of like the competition. It. Chiefs at charges. Oh, sorry. I, I, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to say the Chiefs because of a bit more big game nouse right now. I think I was talking about it. Well, I wasn't talking about big game nouse, but I was talking about nouse. But the thing that I was talking about before, I, I just feel like the Chiefs might have a bit more of that right now than the charges. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if it went the other way. I'm, I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm taking the Chiefs too, mate. But, the, but Sam, okay. in his classic fashion, yeah. has taken the Chargers. Still adamant that the Chiefs aren't going to win that division. This, we've got two games on Saturday, mate. Which now you won't be able to attend. But uh... but it gives me something to do other than sit in this fucking room and stare at four walls. So I am more than happy to do that. Hey, how about Everson tonight? Hey, Everson getting a win, a, a draw at Chelsea. 
Don't give a shit, mate. Everson reserves and youth team, mate. Fucking good, Ab- isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, well done, Benitez. Right. Las Vegas at Cleveland. You've slagged off Cleveland. All oh, podcast, buddy. Are they going to beat yeah. Las Vegas at home? Oh, yeah. it's me. I'm picking I'm... first. I'm picking Cleveland. Sorry. Oh, your turn. Yeah. Cleveland. Sam, in a fit of booster-led misconsciousness, has picked the Raiders. I'm not sure what he's playing out there. Um, and the late game on Saturday, New England at Indy. Oh, God. Can I just say how much I really don't like these Patriots? I've had them really fucking boring. <laughs> and, 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 but, but they're just a win, aren't they? Because they're coming off a bye. And the Colts, all they have is Jonathan Taylor. And what's the cliche side? Bill Belichick will take away your best player. And if they don't have Jonathan Taylor, they're fucked. It's going to be the Patriots. We've locked it in. It is the Patriots for me as well. Yeah. I think I think if they yeah. nullify that run game, then Wentz will somehow find a way to lose the game for the Colts, who I'm still very <laughs> fond of Frank Reich and what he's done up there. Well, can we can we agree? Sorry, sorry, quickly. Can we agree? I'm talking about the Colts. The Colts win that one. I I fancy them for the wild cards. Yeah, because they're in there. They're the in the wild mix. cards. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they're definitely in with a shout, regardless of victory or, or not, on Saturday. Sunday, first game of the 6pm slate, Tennessee at Pittsburgh. Uh, not an easy one to pick this, but I'm going to go with Pittsburgh, I think. They're at home. Tennessee were a bit lackluster over over Jacksonville. I mean, they've got their own problems, haven't they? Uh, Pittsburgh probably to keep their hopes alive in that AFC North. Yeah, I, I think AJ Brown is missing one mm-hmm. more game, and obviously Derek Henry's not there, and it... it it's just been quite remarkable how different Tennessee have looked without those two over the last few weeks. So, and Cy, the rule is Steelers 8-8-1, eight, eight, and one, and I worked it out. This is one of the two games I think that they can win to get me to 8-8-1. Eight, eight, so give me the Steelers. Well, Sam's gone for the Titans. Well, you can't blame me for that. They are the better football team. Oh, they are the better team. Okay, here's an opportunity. Carolina at Buffalo. Tell me why the um, Panthers are going to win this one. Well, I I, I just don't think they are. I, I think that the I think that Matt Rule has got a chance of being the second college head coach to be out before the end of the season. It, it's it's falling apart fast there, and, and he was very quick, wasn't he, to throw his um, offensive coordinator under the bus. Uh, <laughs> I I don't like what the, what's happening in Carolina. The rotating quarterbacks just give me the Bills. The, the Bills are. Give me the Bills. Bills are a better football team. They need to get back on the horse. They're going to smash him. I think really safe this for, until next season. I think they'll go and give him a yeah. quarterback to, to uh, see yeah. see what they can do then. Um, this is an interesting one. Washington football team at Philly. It's me, it's me, isn't it? What? I've got to pick first. This is a tough one. Okay. Right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go yeah. with the Eagles. Purely only. Did they, I think they had a bye week last week. But more importantly, I think they're just a bit healthier. And yeah. whether it's Minshew or Hurts at quarterback, based on injury or form or whoever they pick to start, the Washington football team is so banged up. I, I was really impressed with how they battled against uh, Dallas last week. Uh, it was a good game yeah. uh, when it looked like yeah. it wasn't going to be, but they, they struggled to get that run game going. I think Philly are a team that can work out how to beat people as well. Quite an interesting football team, given the Eagles. I think Philly are a hard team to get the ball off. Mm. They, 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 they're a, you know... Um, clock control or ball control offense and I don't know that Washington have the explosiveness and offense in the limited time they'll have the ball and it's in Philly yeah I'll take the Eagles but these teams are 
a neck and neck, aren't they? They certainly are. So me and you leaving a lot of drama with six picks in, we pick the same teams every single time. <laughs> Here is an opportunity to change that. Who did Sam go for? Who did Sam, Sam go went for Philly as well. Um, so the last two te- teams, he's picked the same as us of two. Uh, d- toilet Bowl. AFC toilet South ball. battle. We've got the Houston oh. Texans at the Jacksonville Jaguars. Will Jacksonville, <laughs> Jacksonville Jaguars have a bounce back game now that Urban Meyer's gone? Oh, mate. Like, if this had been Urban Meyer, I would have absolutely gone for the Texans. But because it's in Jacksonville and they've just sacked the head coach, I think there's a kind of unwritten, unwritten rule in the NFL that when a bad team sacks a really unpopular head coach, they have like a one-game spike and then they fall off. It's in Jacksonville. Give me the Jags. You think Darrell Bevel's going to do it? I like the idea. I like the thought pattern. I've gone with Houston anyway. I I just like they've got some ability to put the ball in the end zone, which you don't expect from Davis Mills. And yep. Brevin Jordan's really stepping up over there. Give me the Houston Texans. We'll be, we'll be a bit Oh, different. by the way, Stai, very, very quickly, Davis Mills is now, well, not carrying, but me and Sam in our in our podcast, in the, in the, in the podcast league, the collapsing pocket, we made, we got, the, we got number two bye, maybe. we got the second seed, got the bye, and it's a two-quarterback league. And because Sam, was adamant that he wasn't drafting Tom Brady. We ended up drafting Trevor Lawrence, and we are now starting Davis Mills as our second quarterback next to Russell Wilson. Highest rated and rookie so- in week 14, Davis Mills. Well, there you go. That's it. Coming into form nicely for us. Anyway, yeah. Give us the Jags. Fuck it. Go on. Give mm. me the give me the sacked unpopular coach bounce. I've already, re- I've already written it down, so you got it. Uh, Dallas at New York Giants, mate. Talk to me. <laughs> Um, that's your sense to go first, so you talk to me. Well, okay. Uh, I'm going with the Cowboys because they're a much better football team. <laughs> yeah, and I'm doing the same because I'm not a dick. Well, Sam is very much a dick, and this is Balls of Causey. He's gone with the Giants this week, so interesting. Oh, interesting it? stuff. Arizona at Detroit. I would I'm argue... Not, How I'm, many ballsy opportunities have we got left? Sorry, just to cut you off. There. You've got a good four left, mate. Here's, okay. here's okay. one right now. Arizona at Detroit. I would argue that Detroit is not the kind of place that I want to go and play football. But uh, it's still a bit of a leap to say that they'll win the game, isn't it? Yeah, massively. Give us the Cardinals. <laughs> I almost had you there. Uh, Cardinals for me, too. And the Cardinals for uh, Sam, who's off the Detroit Lions horse, it would seem. Uh, New York Jets at the Miami Dolphins. This is a ballsy cause opportunity, but I am now in agreement that the Miami Dolphins weren't necessarily a really shit football team, and you and Sam were right. that You you saw it coming before it came. I think they've won five in a row, haven't they? Uh, and at home against the Jets, you've got to fancy them, haven't they? Give me those Dolphins. Do you know, it's interesting on the Dolphins. Like, I think I had them down as like the sixth seed um, when we did our predictions for who was going to finish where before the season. And, and the Dolphins' schedule, mate, like Jets, Saints, Titans, Patriots in Miami, where they always beat the Patriots, and it's the last game of the year. I wouldn't be surprised if them Dolphins snuck up into the playoffs. I'll take them in this game. Miami is a lot. Got to speed it up because my wife's getting annoyed. She wants to go to bed, mate. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. Since 9 o'clock okay. game. Cincinnati at Denver. Um, I think that the Bengals are the Vikings of the AFC. And you know what my rule is? They lost the last two. They'll win the next two. So I think this is where the Bengals start their next two-game winning streak. Give me the Bengals. 
Bengals for me too. Denver for Sam. Don't know why. Uh, Atlanta at San Francisco. Interesting uh, little battle this. But just ballsy coldy. For who? Which way? I don't know. He's Tommy. I, th- I wasn't sure what the ballsy coldy. No, there's but... no ballsy coldy here. I, I, I couldn't say. It. I think 49ers are a better football team, but I think it's not much in it. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'll give him my Niners. I've already, I've already written them down for me. So uh, San Francisco is a lock. Although the Falcons, you know, they found something. It's not great, but they found they something. Have... Yeah, I don't think they're that good, but the 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 game wins. Fair play. So it looks like some good coaching going on down there. This is an opportunity, yeah. mate, uh, and it's you to go first this time. Seattle at Los Angeles Rams. Oh, I think of all the games that are left, I can't see another up. Give, uh, give me my ballsy. Oh, fuck off the shit, Hawks. <laughs> give me my ballsy ballsy on Seattle. Okay, Rams mate. in a letdown game. Well, <laughs> good luck on that. I've gone for the Rams there. Uh, Green Bay at Baltimore. Right. Are we, green, are we uh, discussing this? Green Bay. Green Bay. Got to be Green Bay, regardless of quarterback position, but certainly if uh, Lamar isn't there. Sunday Night Football, yeah. I suppose I'll have to take this as my ballsy cozy as the, as the only one left. New Orleans Saints. Sound to, confident, mate. You to go confident in, how can you be confident? They're going into Tampa. <laughs> uh, give me the Saints. I'll have the books, please. Sorry. Yeah, well, guess the Sam's taking the Saints. Course, he has an absolute game of atrocity for hit uh, as far as his moral compass is concerned. And uh, finally, Monday Night Football, mate. Minnesota at Chicago. Is Kirk Cousins going to do the business? Um, well, prime time Kirk. He did it. He did it last week on prime time. Um, he, he did it against the the Packers. I, I, I think you know the rule is the Vikings. They lost two in a row. They won the last one, so they're going to win this one and then lose two in a row. Give me the Vikings. Okay, though, that's a lot. And that's your ballsy causes for week 15. So it's all going to come down to, to Texans Jags. At least it gives us a reason to watch that game, mate. Mm, sounds good. Awesome stuff. That's us, folks. We're done. We, we went on forever, but hey, we're having a good time on every side. The pocket has well and truly collapsed. Don't forget, you can get uh, our sponsor, Royal Fush Designs. Quality gear all throughout the year. You can get your discounts. On Royal Fush Designs, 10% off with the discount code POCKET10. Letters in pocket numbers in 10. My name is Rob Ward, your old mate Wardy. This has been Simon Carroll. Cheers, guys. And we will see, speak to you very soon. Ta-ra. Right.